Hi, I'm Prasya from Bharatibai Chogli College of Arts and Science. Today's podcast is about Alfred Lord Tennyson. We all must have heard about this particular poet, even read some of his poems. I will be talking about some of his works and even about his literary style, how he puts forth his style through his poems. And I will talk about one of his particular poems, which I will like to mention later. So let's start off. The Victorian age is also known as the age of Alfred Lord Tennyson and hence the characteristics that support the Victorian age are there in his poetry. And one of the best reasons which built the personality of Tennyson as a poet was his dramatic monologues. So in the Victorian era there was much development in every field of life mainly in music, in art and in literature. and poetry that was written in that era it rejected the idea of romanticism i know right i mean why so it became highly philosophical and therefore most of the poetry represents philosophical ideas lord tennyson in his poetry he mostly likes to talk about the past and when you say past especially about the greeks so therefore there is some sort of rebirth of greek myths in his poems He writes intellectual poems with modern philosophy along with a little bit blend of philosophical ideas. Now I would like to mention some of his characteristics. You know some of the characteristics he adds to his poetry. They are as follows: realism, naturalism, glory of past, philosophical ideas, intellectualism and modernism. So let's start with realism. Every writer as Aristotle says in his book Poetics imitates life hence poetry is the reflection of life but it does not mean that every poet represents reality you know some poets they highly exaggerate things when they present an idea and when you talk about romantic poets they highly focus on imagination and exaggeration For instance I would give an example of John Keats and a uh, famous S.T. Coleridge. Now these both are very famous and romantic poets and they tremendously talk about nature and they overstate the incidents. Like for example John Keats in his love poetry he always goes beyond the limitations and same same way with S.T. Coleridge. He also talks about the supernatural elements. Hence it is not really necessary that every poet writes poetry on the basis of reality. Now it is a, one of the chief characteristic of Alfred Lord Tennyson's poetry that he sticks to realism. You know he paints reality and it is therefore safe enough to say that he never told a lie. He tries to portray everyday life in the way we see it. You know he puts his submissions in front of his readers as he sees it and his readers feel the same. probably so every character each place and all the events in the poetry of alfred lord tennyson are realistic and therefore it best describes him as a victorian poet and thus as realism in the least of characteristics of his poetry let's go to the next characteristic that is naturalism elaborating nature in a poetry does not necessarily make a poet romantic right mm-hmm. 
so romantic poetry is all about passion emotion and it touches the sense as obvious from the poetry of john keats so naturalism in poetry on the other hand is all about extreme realistic pictures of everyday society realism it means to talk about realistic problems and not the imaginary ones but naturalism means to portray utmost realistic images so when a poet writes poetry based on naturalism he keeps in mind the external sources that may influence a specific situation in other words the environment is the key factor in naturalism Lord Alfred Tennyson is highly experienced in presentation of such realistic images. You know he focuses on presenting an utterly realistic environment and every poem of his is evident that he never goes beyond the external circumstances because he focuses on every situation each incident all elaborations in his poems depicts natural elements. So naturalism becomes among the greatest characteristics of Lord Alfred Tennyson's poetry. Next I would talk about glory of past. Since we mentioned earlier Lord Alfred Tennyson likes to bring the past stories. So and the main when you, when we said about past the main thing we focused on Greek So as we know the Greek past is famous for heroic figures and mostly the poets use allusion from Greek poems especially from Homer's Iliad in the same way Tennyson also likes to talk about the past like how I said earlier so one of the best poems of Alfred Lord Tennyson that is worth mentioning here is Ulysses in this famous dramatic monologue he talks about Greek hero as well as the explorer Ulysses It seems that he wants to let us know that the past was full of glorious victories. His readers must have knowledge about the famous events from the past as he uses far-fetched allusions. And past has much importance in the eyes of Alfred Lord Tennyson. He has like a soft spot to discuss it in his poetry and due to which glory of past should also be added to the list of characteristics of his poetry. Hi, I'm back with another episode and in this episode I will be talking about the last three characteristics of Tennyson's poetry. So I'll just begin. The fourth one is philosophical ideas. The poet that does poetry for the sake of poetry never really talks about the philosophical ideas. and it is not wrong to say that romantic poets considered it a sin to discuss philosophy in their poems and tennyson he broke the convention his poetry is full of revolutionary ideas he motivates his readers and teaches them philosophy of life he also gives moral lessons to his readers therefore his poetry is not only for the purpose of pleasure but also for the purpose of learning that is no denying the fact that he is a good teacher and also a great reformer he portrays themes based on philosophy and due to this reason critics rightly adjudges alfred lord tennyson as a philosophical poet who explored the field of philosophy while portraying philosophical ideas through his style 
his metaphors allusions symbols and poetic devices due to which presentation of philosophical ideas is also another major characteristic of his poetry next i will be talking about intellectualism poetry of this great victorian poet is based on reasons there is logic in his poetry you know he never portrays a utopian world nor does he try to add extraordinary supernatural elements he presents philosophy and realistic ideas therefore there is no chance of leaving intellectualism behind as i've mentioned earlier victorian age was the age of development and therefore readers were highly interested in reading poetry that was based on reasoning and intellectual poetry is against the norms of poet romantic poetry it is because of romantic poetry is full of passion and emotions but intellectual poetry on the other hand it rejects emotions and feelings so it is thus the poetry of the mind people who are highly emotional seldom like this type of poetry and alfred law tennyson writes poetry of logic and reasoning and hence characteristic of intellectualism and logic is added to his list next is modernism the poetry that contains all the above mentioned elements is called modern poetry like all the other ingredients it also rejects the idea of romanticism how sad but we can't help it all about said salient features best fit for modern poetry and denison poems though not completely yet ne- near to modern poetry symbolic significance of every word in his poetry refers that modernism should not be excluded from the list of major characteristics now i will go to his works tennyson first published his collection poems chiefly lyrical in the year 1830 and the most popular poems from this collection were mariana and clarabel Despite the fact that Tennyson was taken to task by the critics for being overly sentimental, his verses proved very popular and it won him accolades. In 1833, Alfred published his next book that included the very popular poem The Lady of Shalott. This volume also met with heavy criticism which discouraged him. Disenchanted Tennyson did not publish more poem poems for the next 10 years can you believe it but he still continued writing during these years his friend helam died a sorrowful experience for tennyson which left a profound impact on him helam's sudden demise inspired tennyson to create masterpieces like in memoriam a h h and in the valley of cotterets Tennyson's third collection poems like i said it was published in 1842 and it received instantaneous success he followed this with the collections of ulysses and then there is tithonus and locksley hall so tennyson also published one of his best poems the charge of the light brigade in 1855 again i'm back with another podcast and in this podcast i will be mentioning alfred lord tennyson's style and some of his popular poems 
and particularly one poem so let's start tennyson revised and polished his manuscripts several times before sending them to the publishers wow this is so extraordinary he employed a wide range of styles and he had a deep understanding of meter and rhyme scheme used allusions in different genres and often added motifs symbols and images sometimes he used a simple and plain style whereas some of his poems contain highly sensuous language tennyson he merged his language with contrasting images which resonate throughout his poems he adopted that richness of imagery from romantic poets like edmund spenser john keats and he handled rhythm tactfully Tennyson's language has an unsurpassed musical quality and the popular poems of Tennyson include Mariana the Dying Swan the Lotus Eaters the Lady of Shalott the Two Voices Ulysses the Princess the Eagle Ring Out Wild Bells Maud Idylls of the King and The Charge of the Light Brigade Tennyson even wrote another poem that is called break 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 in the year 1835 and he published it in 1842 and it is often considered to be an elegiac lament for his deceased friend arthur hallam for whom in memoriam ah was written so in break 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 tennyson delves into themes of death the power of nature and change Now I will mention a little bit about break break break. I will give a short analysis on the poem. Break 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 on thy cold grey stones o sea and I would that my tongue could utter the thoughts that arise in me. So in the first stanza of break 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 the speaker begins by talking directly to the waves and this technique is called anaphora. he speaks to them although they are unable to respond so the speaker directs them to continue breaking powerfully against the cold gray stones of the shore they hold a gloomy power that speaks to his emotional state at that time he wishes in lines 3 and 4 that he could get his tongue to utter you know the thoughts that are ha- haunting him and he has thus far been unable to express his emotional state and it is too complex or perhaps too dark for him to find the exact words oh well for the fisherman's boy that he shouts with his sister at play oh well for the sailor lad that he sings in his boat on the bay in the second stanza there is a good example of anaphora with the repetition of oh well for the so at the start of lines 1 and 3 we can see oh well This phrase introduces the two different experiences that he sees around him. One, the fisherman's boy, his sister, and even sailor lad. They are all experiencing the sea differently than he is, and these are really good examples of juxtaposition, especially the young man who is singing on the bay. He's finding joy in his life and the ability to express his emotions. unlike the po- poet who is finding it difficult to express his emotions and the stately ships go on to their haven under the hill but oh for the touch of a vanished hand and the sound of a voice that is still 
Now in the third stanza of Brick Brick Brick, the speaker takes note of stately ships that are sailing off into the distance. You know, they too are living differently than he is, and he hopes that they are going to a new land, somewhere where sorrow can't touch them. But the lovely sight of the ships doesn't keep the speaker's mind occupied for long. We thought maybe the speaker would have a different thought. Maybe he will be at he will be a little bit calm, but no. He is quickly brought back to the experiencing of touching a vanished hand. Tennyson might have been thinking of the hand of Arthur Hallam, his deceased friend, and the voice that is now lost also comes to his mind. So it appears that no matter what the speaker does, he can't escape the memories of the person he most dearly loved. You know, he lost that person, but he can't find a way to escape it. Break, break, break! At the foot of thy crags, O sea, but the tender grace of a day that is dead will never come back to me. The fourth stanza begins with the repetition of the line "Break, break, break," which began the poem, and he tells the waves again to break against the shore at the foot of thy crags. So Tennyson he used an exclamation point at the end of line two in stanza four. so it emphasizes his passion and despite the power of the waves they da- the damage they do or the sights that he sees around him he can't get back to the grace of the day that happened before his close friend died he can't change things the way how they were before so things are different now and that time will never come back to him mentioned in the previous podcast a brief analysis of the poem break 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 i will talk a little bit about the summary of the poem so break 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 is a short poem that depicts personal unamiable sorrow against the backdrop of a powerful ocean scene in the first lines of the poem the speaker addresses the waves a technique which i previously mentioned in the previous podcast is called anaphora He tells them to continue crashing against the show while also meditating on his deeper thoughts. So the speaker is asking the waves to crash against those old grey stones. He wishes that he could express how he is feeling. He finds it very difficult to express his emotions. He is deep inside his own thoughts. While he looks over the water, he sees a fisherman's son yelling and a younger sailor singing life is going on all around him so all everything is happening around him all the good things but the poet just can't escape his sorrow the speaker he also notices some larger boats sailing and considers imaginatively that they are headed to a better world he feels that they are escaping from this sorrowful world and they are going to something much better and unfortunately all of this size they can't distract him from the pain he is feeling he might have thought maybe this could help me a bit but no it's not helping him the poem concludes with a repetition of the first lines that is break 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 and an expression that he is never going to feel past happiness again i will talk a little bit about, about the structure of the poem break 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 
Break Break Break is a four stanza poem that is separated into sets of four lines which are called the quatrains. These quatrains do not follow a strict rhyme scheme, but there are some good examples of perfect rhymes such as see and me in stanza 1. And in regards to the meter, there are various patterns that change throughout the poem. There are many instances of trimeter although the stresses change locations and there are other lines with more or fewer syllables. Tennyson he makes use of several literary devices in break break break. These include but are not limited to repetition, juxtaposition and enjambment. The first of these is repetition and we can clearly see it through the use of the refrain break 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 in line 1 of the first stanza and the fourth stanza you know it helps create a strong rhythm to the lines one that mimics the movement of the waves when you say break 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 you feel like the waves are really crashing are really getting against those old gray stones next is juxtaposition this is seen through the contrast of different experiences for example the speaker is in a deep and unbeating depression which is quite different from the sailing who is singing on the bay or the ships that he imagines are going to a better land so it shows depression on one side and a, a joyful moment that is a sail sailor singing on the other side these are two different things two different experiences the third is enjambment is a commonly used technique that can be seen in this poem in the transition between lines 3 and 4 of the first stanza that is and i would that my tongue could utter the thoughts that arise in me so enjambment is seen in these lines it can even be seen on lines 1 and 2 of the third stanza and the stately ships go on to their haven under the hill over here also we can see enjambment i would like to conclude by saying that tennyson is chiefly remembered as the most representative poet of the victorian age yes he was a national poet whose poetry reflected the various important tendencies of his time and that is why he was very much popular in his own days but even today he is admired mainly as a literary artist of a very high order his word paintings of the external beauties of nature his careful observation his accuracy in description to the minutest details his keen sense of the value of words and phrases and his strong sense of music in words all these make him a poet an artist in the truest sense we've seen so much of his work so much of his poems and they are truly truly amazing this is all about alfred lord tennyson thank you